I'm going to talk about something today, um, and before I get into that, we're going to go to the Word. It's going to be very simple. We're in Genesis 1, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not even going to wait for amens, because you should be there. <laughs> Genesis 1 and 26 says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. There is a gender identity crisis sweeping across our nation. If you are a visitor here today and you have not checked your kids in, I'm going to allow you the opportunity to do that. This is going to be a very hot topic. Um, I do feel like this is a conversation that you need to have in your own homes. Um, so if you want to take that opportunity now, I'm going to let you do that while we go into, uh, into prayer. Father, I just come to you today, God, just, uh, just humbled. God humbled, I already feel your presence God, you've given me a word today that I, this is not an easy subject to talk about. God, but I do feel like that it needs to be addressed. I want to thank you for the obedience that you've given me to give your word. So God, I ask that you just completely remove me out of this situation, Father, and that not only your word and your truth shines free, God, but your love. I love you and I praise you, and it's in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, amen and amen. I'm going to go on to end of 28, and it said, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. I'm going to read something that goes back. This is a uh, transcript of uh, something that was given over a uh, cast over the radio years ago. And I've shown this before, but I think it's... Uh, more powerful if I read it. It says, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. I'd have a third of its real estate, four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I seized the ripest apple on the tree, thee. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers, with the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confine that what's bad is good and what's good is square. The old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. Then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors and how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, 
but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild until before you knew it, you'd have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, then from the House of Congress. In his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and defy science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I'd killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what do you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes and hard work and patriotism and moral conduct. I convinced the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there are no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep doing what he's doing. That was Paul Harvey, April the 3rd of 1965. If you've never heard that, that should be a, a very eye-opening. 1965 is over 50 years ago. So again, this is a very serious issue facing adults, teens, children. And as I address this sensitive subject, one thing that I'm not going to do is do it with insensitivity. As the church, uh, we are to be the fullness of Christ and do everything we do in love. Even though this is a very hot-button topic, um, this is scripturally backed, but a lot of it is my opinion. I'll be honest with you. You're going to see a lot of me today, um, but the reason I have the opinions that I do is because I believe God's word to be true. So this message has nothing to do with the people that are confused. I don't care. Um, what I do care about is when our culture tries to shove it down our throats. Um, I don't care what you identify as. It does not bother me a bit if you identify as a lampshade. It doesn't bother me. Um, but if you keep pushing it down my kids' throats, be careful where a light bulb might end up. Um, <laughs> One thing that I can't do, this confusion, uh, I can't agree with it either. Uh, there is a saying that you uh, permit what you promote. Uh, that's not the case here. This bend but don't break mentality uh, has crept its way into the church, unfortunately. Um, Nick, go ahead and pull Second Peter 2.13 up. Says, but there were also there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality, and because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. I have seen several videos of this topic. Um, one is a very outspoken Pentecostal preacher. He will literally tell you that if you vote differently than him and live differently than him, that he will call you a demon and ask you to leave his church. 
that's not church. I've seen a young African-American up-and-coming pastor uh, from Oklahoma City saying that if he was in the garden, he would have stopped God and said, hey, shouldn't there be a third option? Maybe an I don't know. I'm sorry, that's not church either. These flashy, progressive, watered-down gospel preachers, they're like fireworks. You see them for a minute, they're flashy, they're nice, they're pretty, and they fade away. But you see pastors like Billy Graham and John Hagee from the video before, those guys have stood the test of time because they preach the truth. This is not going to be a watered-down gospel sermon. Most of the time, I usually try to take a light-hearted approach to things. This was not one of them. This has uh, affected me personally. Uh, this has gotten so much bigger than the Laverne Coxes uh, and the Bruce Jenners in our society. So if this was an issue that only affected individuals personally and privately, I think that would be easier to maintain because you would only have to address those things if that person crossed your path. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't just impact individuals personally and privately. It is an issue that has been thrust into the public forum and is being championed by our culture. Again, I said I have a personal uh, view on this because it has uh, affected me. Um, I have witnessed this personally, and I'm actually going to close with that, so stay tuned for the end. Uh, the media is filled with transgender characters, messages, literature, theater, TV, movies, and especially music. Many public schools are educating their students, our children, about transgenderism, and in some cases, the indoctrination begins in kindergarten. Story Hours, in fact, endorsed by the American Library Association, has spread to 21 states. Targeting preschool and grade school children with homosexuality, transgenderism, in public libraries. That was a news article written uh, August the 23rd of 2018. We've all seen the lawsuits concerning transgender bathrooms in North Carolina, and none of you can miss the commercials, you know, Bud Light, Ford, and Target. Um, those are the ones that always get the attention. And it's funny how nobody mentions the, the Shiners and the Yinglings and Ariat, Cinch, Hobby Lobby, the companies that don't promote it. Uh, in fact, when they do promote their values, they get canceled, just like Will was talking about. But the Department of Education released a statement this week wishing everybody a happy Pride Month. I had no idea that was even a thing. Did y'all know it was Pride Month? For those of you that did, it's probably because you saw it on Facebook. That's how I was alerted. I got a notification. Hey, do you want to change your screensaver picture to Pride? And absolutely not. So as I started digging, though, I did find that if you go to Facebook and you open up a new account, in the gender column, there's a drop-down that is 58 fields long. There's a 59th. Fill in the blank. I'm serious. I am dead serious. The one thing that social media has done also, and there are companies out there, I'm going to mention one locally, and that's Dots Ace Hardware on Richmond Road. They informed me that this is Great Outdoors Month as well. I'd rather support that. That's just me personally. 
But this is an issue that cannot be avoided, must be addressed. I think it also has to be understood as well. So make no mistake about it, there is an evil spirit behind this attack. And that's what this is. It's an attack. Uh, it's attacking men and masculinity. Women, feminism. The attack that's on our kids is what I won't tolerate. Um, there was a commercial that I saw. It's called Embrace Ambition. I was on the treadmill at the gym. Uh, and it was all about women's empowerment. And the funny thing is, I agreed with every single word on that commercial. I mean, I have a wife and two daughters. Um, why would I not want them to be anything and everything within God's purpose and their plan for their lives? That empowerment is something that I truly do believe in. However, the faces on the commercial were the same ones that they plastered after Uvalde, Sandy Hook. Any kind of tragedy that happens in this country, they give these people their platform, and they use it very well. However, these same folks that are advocating for women's empowerment are the same ones that think men should compete in women's sports, use their restrooms, and make a mockery of their reproductive issues. Most of the time it's men, and you can take this for what it's worth, how many videos have you seen where women are dressed as men dancing in front of little kids? I've never seen any. Most of the time it's men trying to dress as women that are dancing in front of our kids. That's where my issue is. They're trying to inundate us with confusion. Uh, and I think the medical field also, they champion this as well. When I'm a 44-year-old man, um, and be honest, life has caught up with me. I might have lost a step or two in the last couple of years. But if I were to go to the doctor and say, Doc, I just don't feel good. I'm not sleeping well. You know, I've lost a step in the gym. I'm tired all the time. You know, is there anything as far as testosterone can be done? They would try to get you to do anything but that. They would try to get you to feel anything like more of a man than you feel you should. And the same thing goes for women. A woman goes to her doctor and says, Doc, you know, I'm not feeling good. I'm having issues. Uh, ask for hormones. They are denied care. However, if the roles were reversed, if I'm a 44-year-old man, I say I want to transition into a woman, they are obligated to provide you with what you need to do so. That's how confused people have become. So we've talked about transgender. We go with transracial. Never heard of that either till this. Apparently, there was a white woman that identified as a black woman who was actually the head of an NAACP chapter. We have transabled. Never heard of this either. Man in the UK cut his own arm off, and a woman poured drain cleaner in her eyes to make them disabled because that's how they felt. A man has put an ad out on Craigslist for a nanny because he believes he's a baby. <laughs> These are not jokes. It's like nothing, people had nothing better to do during COVID but sit around and invent ways to become a victim. We've talked about Bud Light. The confusion behind that is just astounding. Here's one for you. Dylan Mulvaney, a man who thinks he's a woman, just came out as a lesbian. 
Yeah, somebody, I saw Robin's face. He's like, like the dog goes, Urgh. No, I'll break it down. A man who thinks he's a woman is now a lesbian. That means you're a straight man that wears women's clothes. Yeah, okay. The confusion is outstanding. Outstanding. So, guys, this is a, this is a big subject. It's got complicated aspects. Uh, it is a personal issue in that it deals with real people whom God loves and whom we must care about. You know, I talked about Bruce Jenner earlier when he won Woman of the Year in his first year as a woman. Uh, Diane Sawyer interviewed him, and he says, and I quote, I would sit in church and always wonder, in God's eyes, how does he see me? That's a good question. I mean, let's be honest. I've asked that question, especially now that I am where I am on my walk. You know, how did he used to see me before? I think that this is the same question that just may look a little different. How does God see those struggling with identity issues? How should we as Christians and as the church respond to these changes going around us? How do you respond to the Bruce and Caitlyn Jenners that move across the street from you? So what I'm going to do is I got three objectives in this. That is to teach what the Bible teaches show how we as Christians and the church should interact with this world, and how we can help. So first, to define it, when someone is biologically one gender but feels in his or her mind that they are another, the world calls this transgender. The medical term for this is gender dysphoria. I use schizophrenic. <laughs> if I say that I identify as Joe Biden and I want to be president of the United States, they would put me in a straitjacket. But if I say I identify as Kamala Harris and I want to be vice president, I would be celebrated. That's how twisted this has become. Um, what I have a problem with is I think that this is a serious mental health issue, all while being disguised as human rights. And we've bought into it. Our culture and our society and our world has bought into that. I think we would all agree that these are truly confusing times we live in, and we need God's truth now more than ever. So I'm going to do two perspectives of this. I'm going to do uh, what science says and what God says. I'm even going to give you some statistics. I don't put much faith into what the science community says uh, because they have a bunch of theories like Big Bang Theory, Theory of Evolution, those are things that have not been proven. That's why they're called theories. Uh, but for the main reason is because science never considers faith as the answer for the unexplained. See, I believe in the beginning, God. They believe in the beginning, nothing. That doesn't make sense to me. However, I will... I will honor and humor the science community and give you a couple of stats. Uh, the truthful answer about this is that science doesn't know. Scientists even tested, here we go with the theory again, 
called the hormone wash theory. It speculates that perhaps something happens during the fetal development cycle that results in gender dysphoria. To this date, there is zero evidence of any differences in brain chemicals to those who suffer from gender dysphoria and those who don't. The Human Genome Project has identified all the genes in the human DNA. We've heard stories about how expansive our DNA is. They have studied and identified all the genes in our DNA, and they did not find any homosexual or transgender gene. There were no gen genetic abnormalities between those who experience transgender desires and those who don't. So my question was, is why doesn't science know? The answer to that is because God is perfect. And by God's design, biology is precise. There are only two biological sexes. Every male is XY and every female is XX and there are no other combinations and there is no other doubt about a person's sex. I do believe that sometimes, and we all know this, there is a flaw in this law somewhere. I think that is still by God's design for that person's plan and its purpose. Uh, Dutch psychologists were surveyed and they were revealed that gender identity issues are not the only psychological problem for those with gender dysphoria. 25% of those struggling with gender identity disorder are also schizophrenic. Man, don't you love when information happens? I use that word as kind of a joke and maybe take a stab, um, but science has kind of backed that up. You know, the difference, the difference between uh, truth and a conspiracy theory is information in about six months. So 75% of patients struggling with gender identity disorder are clinically diagnosed with a psychiatric illness, personality disorder, or mood disassociative behavior. Gender identity disorders are almost always a secondary problem sourced from a much deeper psychological issue. Here's where our kids get involved. That's why I think that this is an attack on our kids more than anything. Child sexual abuse is often a cause of gender confusion and sexual orientation issues. And in most cases, when there was no abuse or other psychiatric issues, most children outgrew any gender confusion by the time they hit puberty. John Hopkins University Hospital began doing sex reassignment surgery, and it did a patient follow-up 10 years later. After 10 years of practicing the surgery, they were, quote, unable to conclude that it helped a single patient. As a matter of fact, Dr. Meyer, the man who led this reassignment team, was quoted after seeing the results of a follow-up study. Quote, my personal feeling is that surgery is not a proper treatment for a psychiatric disorder. It's clear to me that these patients had severe psychological problems that didn't go away following surgery. That quote can be found in the Archives of General Psychiatry, 1979. See, we think this is something that has just started. I read you that deal from Paul Harvey from the 60s. This was uh, 1979. To me, all that does is prove that our media and social media has fanned the flames on this. It has brought it to our doorstep. Uh, in 1979, I had no doubt that people hid this. You know, they did that in the privacy of their own home. We talked about this being a private issue. Now it's walking down Main Street. Uh, it's using the same bathroom with our children. 
Um, because of the pressure from some of these groups, John Hopkins University, uh, they restarted this reassignment surgery in 2017. Uh, I always ask, I wonder what happened. So that why, I, I love that question. Uh, I have my why about why I changed my life and why I became a follower of Christ. So the why uh, is what I would like to ask. Um, I think when you get the answer to the why, it helps us better relate, maybe even engage, uh, but more importantly, help from a biblical standpoint the people that are going through these issues. I guess I would just like to know like, why you think that way. Do you think this is a, project, a product of your biology, uh, nature versus nurture? But the truth of God's word and God's design still remain the same. So let's go, what does the Bible say about gender identity? That was one of the objectives that I had. So the question is, is gender, sexual identity, is it set by a preference of the individual or by the providence of God? I obviously didn't come up with that because that's some big words. So in layman's terms, it says, is my sex determined by my decision or by God's design? So we just read in Genesis, you go all the way to the front of the book. Creation is where this story begins. It states clearly that we have been created on purpose, with a purpose, by a loving God. And that also means that as we think about this community, we need to remember that we are not simply just talking about issues. We're talking about people. These are the same people created and loved by God and who like me, and who like you, and who like everybody else, is lost without Jesus. But that also means that we as humans, being creatures and not machines, that has a very huge impact about how we think about our freedoms. So to me, true freedom, according to Scripture, is not found in trying to be who we're not made to be. True freedom is found and who we are by God's design. And as soon as we try to step outside of those boundaries, we fail. So in the Christian perspective, we see ourselves not as flawed machines, or not as machines, but as a flawed masterpiece. Each piece of art has an artist. Humanity is a work of art, and it has a divine artist, and that is God himself. Humankind is God's masterpiece, and it is the pinnacle of his work of creation. So here's what God says. Genesis tells us that when he looked at the people he had made, God declared that we are very good. So identity is not for us to create. In Genesis 2.18, pull that up, Nick. We read the one thing that was declared, that not declared good in all of God's creation. It said, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. I saw a breakdown of this uh, when it said helper. It says Eve was the solution to Adam's deficiency. So there are two words. The first one is helper. And in the Hebrew, that is pronounced azer, best I can do. Uh, we need to understand that the role of helper is not a position of subservience. It is the idea of an ideal partner. And that's where the second word comes into play. 
and that's the word fit. Fit in the Hebrew is pronounced kenendau, and it's translated to literally mean according to the opposite of. So when we think of that word fit, we just thought that, you know, it was just a good match. But that according to the opposite of, the focus is on that appropriate match. So Eve was not created above or below. She was created complementary to Adam. And that's where it all began. Even the animals that Adam created each had an appropriate companion. That's in Genesis 2.20. So Adam was given a fitting companion as well. And it says Eve was just right for him. So God's statement that it was not good for man to be alone applies that Adam was lonely and incomplete by himself. He had been created for relationship. It's impossible to have a relationship alone. So with the creation of Eve, Adam experienced what the joy of another person was like. So the Bible is very unique in explaining a woman's value as a complementary companion. As a matter of fact, it's the only ancient text from the Middle East that offers any commentary on the subject. I mean, we all know how the culture over there still treats women. Uh, we see that, so I, no wonder that the Bible is the only book that talks about that. Both men and women were made in God's image. And I have that circled because when I was talking about a title for this, uh, man, there's so many things. I didn't even come up with one. I'll let y'all name it. Whether it was God's image, land of confusion maybe, uh, or just even just a big old question mark. I had no idea what I was going to go with. Uh, but the Apostle Paul refers to Genesis 2.24, and that's in Ephesians 5.31. Nick, go and pull that up. It says, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. That's also mentioned in Mark. Uh, husband and wife are to live as one, united for love, for God, for one another, modeling the love that Christ has for his bride, which is the church. So when we talk about the image of God, there are literally hundreds of verses from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 1 uh, that talks about the image of God in creation. So in Genesis 2.18, here we see God further developing the role, distinctions of male and female as the head and as the helper. The male head serving as a primary protector, provider, and leader, and the female helper, supporter, and following and complementing his lead. So the family structure is not only for marriage. God has set that in place. It's the building block for the church, and it should be the building block for our society. Just as God stands as head over his creation and his creatures, we must reflect God's order as male and female in our complementary roles and relationships. So that's why we see a God's commands. Like there's a clear distinction between men and women, because there has to be a distinction. We take glory away from God when we act as though distinctions between men and women are non-existent or unimportant. The word for the image of God, uh, it's Latin, is imago Dei. I feel like what this community's main objective is, is uh, and obviously they're being controlled by Satan, is to remove that. And once you remove that, you have to replace it with something. Once you remove who you worship, you have to replace it. 
And if you're not worshiping God, you ain't got but one other choice. So the definition of Imago Dei is a theological term applied to humans, which denotes the symbolical relation between God and humanity. The term has its roots in Genesis, like we just read, where God created man in his own image. The term Imago Dei refers to two things. First, God's own fulfillment and talent through humankind. And second, God's care for humankind. To say that humans are in the image of God is to recognize the special qualities of human nature, which allow God to be made manifest in humans. Humans differ from any other creatures. We talked about freedoms a minute ago. Um, we have that freedom of decision-making, free will. This freedom gives the human a centeredness and completeness, which allows the possibility for fulfillment and talent and participation in a sacred reality. The freedom which makes the human in God's image is the same freedom which manifests itself in estrangement from God also. We look at the fall, Adam and Eve. That exemplifies this. So according to this, humans can, in their freedom, choose to deny or repress their spiritual and moral likeness to God. The ability to desire to love oneself and others, and therefore God can become neglected and even opposed. So once you remove it, and then you replace it. You have to, they start worshiping Satan themselves. You place something higher than God on who and what you worship. When you deny that, I, this is, again, a lot of this stuff is my opinion, but I do believe that Christians are the only ones in this country that do not have freedom of speech. Anything in opposition of what the other person says is considered hate speech, and they'll even throw a phobic. Whatever you are, you're against it. I feel like if I disagree with you, and you say that I'm being a certain way, how would you expect me to accept you for the way you think you are when you never could accept yourself for who you are in the first place? That is my struggle with the whole community. Um, even though cultures differ between the way men and women dress, uh, the principle of men looking like men and women looking like women still remains the same. There's no intentional gender in God's design and his people. There should be no intentional gender interpretation in God's design. Paul instructs Titus in Titus 2, 2 through 6 to make sure that young people, and he's talking about youth, young people live out their gender roles related to their God-given sex. So think of it like this. If things were to go south, whether a war, a famine, disease, we've all heard of these you know, EMPs, these magnetic pulses that are supposed to wipe the grid, just annihilate it, Go back to a thousand years ago and put that in today's world. Instinctively and automatically, each person in this room, you would revert back to your gender role. It's an instinct that we have. The men would start hunting and building and the women would start maintaining. That would happen instinctively. 
if you take, I heard this the other day and it was kind of pretty staggering. When you revert back to those roles, if you were to take 10 men and 100 women and put them on a deserted island, in 100 years you would have a thriving population of men, women, young boys and young girls. You take those same 10 men, put them on an island with 100 transgender women, in 100 years you would have the skeletons of 110 men. Society cannot function that way. And if society cannot function that way, there has to be something wrong. So to sum all that up, God's design and his will has room for only two sexes, male and female. And there is no confusion in blurring that. So I said all that to ask you this. Here is the million-dollar question. How should the church respond? I mentioned that earlier about the fulfillment of Christ, how we should do everything in love and grace but also in truth. Uh, I heard a pastor one time say that uh, <clears throat> grace without truth is just mean, and truth without grace is just meaningless. It's, you have to have both. You can tell somebody the truth, as long as you do it in love and in grace, there's a balance that has to happen. So the first thing we gotta do is slow to speak, quick to listen, quick to repent, and slow to judge. Whenever we are confronted with an unbiblical lifestyle or a cultural shift, uh, the church should just, the church itself is full of people who have been redeemed. Because of why? Because of your own state of sin. Their sin is no different than any sin. We do look at it different because we're humans. I mean, we see things that aren't right. But the way God sees it is a level playing field. Sin is sin. As long as you live a life of repentance, he does forgive you for those sins. So in the end, that should be the game. That should be the object. So the next thing we've got to do is grieve. I grieve over the brokenness of our culture because I have two kids that are growing up in it. Um, I mean, I'm 6'3", 230 on a good day with a past that would make a heroin junkie prostitute go, man, you are crazy. I can take care of myself. I fight for my wife and my kids because Satan knows that he's going to have to come with his A game to get me. I mean, I'm a firm believer in our Second Amendment, um, but I don't carry for me. I carry for the single mom struggling to get diapers in a car while she's got a baby on her hip and somebody walking up to her in a Walmart parking lot. The same thing for the elderly woman trying to get a bag of dog food for her 12 dogs and six cats. It's the same thing. That's the protection that I have for other people. So third, we have to love and we must be mindful of those broken by this identity crisis. So we need to help those struggling to find their identity and tell them what their identity is and who it is in with. Um, if they've been hurt, they're healing, that's only the relief that Jesus can bring. So to help them find that new identity, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. We have got to tell and show people that in love. You can't go 
beating everybody up with a Bible. Uh, as a matter of fact, the number one response from people who did repent was that God himself had to intervene because God's children didn't. Several interviews that I watched, uh, that was the number one response. God himself had to intervene. So I, you know, and I think of it different ways. Maybe God did use somebody and they just weren't ready to hear it yet. Or maybe God tried to use somebody and they just weren't obedient enough to do it because it was a different lifestyle than theirs. That is something we have to step up when called to do it. Guys, and we got to pray. We got to pray that God writes these wrongs. They will open blind eyes, soften hardened hearts, preserve his church, and give us the courage to share his truth. We've got to stand up for the truth when we do encounter others, again, out of a place of love. We must speak with grace and conviction. Most people aren't repulsed by conviction, but they can be offended by condemnation. Uh, and I look at condemnation. If somebody is trying to condemn you from something, they're not speaking from God. There is no condemnation in Christ. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel convicted. If you've never felt convicted by a sermon that me or Harp have preached, I question if you're listening. Uh, we do have a tendency to go for the jugular, but that's the thing. A lot of churches don't talk about stuff like this. We've talked about divorce. We've talked about sex and sexuality. We've talked about kids, and we've talked about God's love, and we've tried to do that in every message that we bring. Mm -hmm. So we also need to model God-honoring views of maleness and femaleness. We have to model those for our kids the world that it means to lovingly live out true manliness and femaleness. If you don't teach this to your kids, the world will. The world started teaching them about it already. You can't stop it. You can try to alter it and just show them God's love. There, uh, you can make voices. You can make voices known through political process. You can make voices known through elected representatives. Uh, there are some that even hold positions of influence on school boards and elected positions. Y'all, school teachers, I love y'all. Y'all uh, spend just as much time with our kids uh, than we do, and we do not take that for granted here. Uh, I know most of you that are teachers here, um, and I have no doubt that you watch and protect our kids just like they were your own whether they've come across your desk as a, as a bad kid that you have to inflict discipline or whether you just know them from being at the church or just because they're a good kid. Y'all are pouring into our kids, and uh, we need more of that. We need more of that to stop what's going on. So finally, guys, we just need hope. Hope for those who may feel like there is no hope. That is a struggling community that has issues. They have issues with suicide. Uh, I think the main reason for that is because they don't know who they are. They don't know who they are in Christ. Uh, and I think that it's our job uh, to do that. Again, I have tried my everything that I could do. Guys, again, this is something that I, I feel passionate about. I did want to do it in love. I was struggling to figure out if I was going to get that across. Um, because at the end of the day, like I said earlier, I, who or what you think in your own mind, it doesn't affect me. 
but when you start trying to just make that impression on kids, uh, that's where I really struggle with that. Um, Carlin was, I had all my notes and Bibles and everything opened on the table, and she asked me, she goes, uh, what are you preaching about? And I looked at Tiff, and I was like, <laughs> I said, well, um, you know, there's some boys who they think they're girls, and there's girls that think they're boys, and she looked me dead in my face, and she goes, well, that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't to her. It shouldn't. It shouldn't make sense. It shouldn't make sense to her because of how we're raising her. But she didn't say, you know, oh, well, that's, that's gross, or, you know, you know, she just couldn't comprehend it. She couldn't wrap her brain around it. She's eight, and she's hearing the truth next door as we speak. She's hearing the truth because that's the third pillar on that banner behind me is teach truth. Your kids, especially our youth, you might hear something like that in one of these classes, but I think it's a truth because it's happening every day. And again, you got two choices. You can either teach it to them, or you can let the world teach it to them. But if you let the world do it, you need to be prepared for the consequences.